the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. With your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell. Many of us have seen movies that involve hitmen or deadly assassins. Most of us know that hitmen and assassins are not only dangerous murderers, but they can attack you without warning any time, any place, and anywhere. When you see that ominous red dot appear on the victim's head, we know that a bullet is sure to follow. They show no mercy or compassion regarding their goals or their objectives, and they carry out their mission with extreme prejudice and deadly accuracy. But have, but have you ever thought... Have you ever thought about Satan as a hitman or as an assassin in the same way? Tonight, Dr. Buckner brings us part two in his series entitled The Ten Characteristics of Satan as it relates to a hitman or an assassin. So stay tuned for this and much more, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed. Thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. Uh, and that's what we're doing. We're contending for the faith in the Lord. And as Brother Gary has said, and that's what we've been teaching on, uh, the enemy is indeed a hitman, Satan. He is an assassin. And the sooner we wake up to this reality, the better off we're going to be. And the scripture that we believe that supports this is John 10 and 10. Because in John 10 and 10, Jesus lays out this hitman and this assassin and he tells us here and warns us that in John 10 and verse 10, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. This is Jesus laying out the enemy as a hitman, as an assassin. And we've been talking about the 10 characteristics of a hitman as it relates to Satan. And I want to get back to that, but I want to say this by way of introduction again. Now, generally, when we deal with a hitman in the real world, uh, we notice that he does things on a physical level. Uh, oftentimes he leaves behind uh, evidence that he has done something deadly and destructive and killing his foes and killing those who he is pursuing after. But yet Satan is even worse than that because he is a hitman and an assassin by which you cannot see. 
You cannot see him. He's invisible. The only way that you can see the enemy is through the glasses of God's word of God, through the armor of God, having the armor of God on daily so that we can detect this hitman, this assassin, when he comes to do his dirty work. Now, I want to review what I said last week uh, with number one, talking about the 10 characteristics of a hitman, an assassin, as it relates to Satan. I said last week, number one, uh, that a hitman is someone who gives uh, uh, orders uh, or is given orders uh, to kill or to carry out his assassin orders. And he follows those orders masterfully on a masterful level. But Satan also gives orders. He commands his demons, uh, the darkness of demology. He literally causes them to go forth and to attack humanity on a heavy level and a destructive level. He commands them, demons, to carry out killings and murders like an assassin. And then we learned a little bit about number two, that a hitman, an assassin, has no conscience uh, of right or wrong, but only to do wrong. Uh, He lacks no sense of a conscience when he carries out his destructive deeds. He does it in a cold-blooded, murderous way with no guilt, no shame when he carries out his orders. Uh, A hitman, an assassin, has no regret nor remorse for his bloodiest, murderous deeds that is carried out. He has no conscience, no mercy. And Satan has no conscience as well. He carries out his cold-blooded murders, too, with no regrets, no remorse, and no mercy. But we are serving a God who shows grace and shows mercy, and he also gives peace in the midst of everything that we go through. And that's why we need to turn to the Lord. We need to trust in God because he's the only answer for us today in this troubled world. And we see Satan as a hitman, working through hitmans to do damage in the world by which we live. Everywhere we turn, when we turn on the news, there's a hitman hitting somewhere in the Middle East, in the United States, uh, with the police department, and outside the police department, a hitman hitting the schools, hitting uh, universities and colleges, uh, even hitting abortion clinics. You ever thought about that? The hitman is killing babies left and right because he's a murderer. Jesus said that when he talked about Satan in the Gospel of John, he said that he's a murderer. He's a murderer from the beginning. And these abortion clinics, they have hit people that are hitting these babies, killing them left and right. 
Now, let me say number three. Number three, the third thing about a hitman and an assassin is that he's very cunning in his thinking. And uh, his cunning, and he's way ahead of our thinking. And unless we have the full armor on and the helmet of salvation, he can get into your thinking. That's why you got to have the helmet of salvation to guard your thoughts. He's very cunning. He's a cunning hitman and assassin. And uh, he's very cunning outside the box and determines as many evil methods possible towards achieving his final wicked outcome. A hitman studies on a masterful level, unconventionally, unusual ways of looking at the world on a clever ways and uh, uh, accumulating and applying that uh, those clever knowledge in deceiving and killing victims and in his own advantage as an assassin. And Satan works the same way, according to the Bible. We see uh, the first cunning act that he did was in Genesis 3 and 1, and you want to make a note of that. In Genesis 3 and 1, we see that uh, the devil had this method. He came to Eve, as the Scripture says in Genesis 3 and 1, that he, he was more subtle. Now, the word subtle means cunning than any other creature in the Garden of Eden. And he came and deceived Eve in his cunning ways. And we learn also in Ephesians 6 and verse 11, with the wiles of the evil tactics— This is a cunning tactic that the enemy uses to kill, steal, and destroy that Jesus talked about in John 10 and 10. And just let me say this, because this is so important. Let me get to number four. A hitman is into a versatilities of acts. This versatility has to do with the ability to use many tools in order to get the job done in an accurate precision A hitman with the versatility is able to learn quickly and adapt to new surroundings. An assassin with his versatility is able to use and treat people as useful tools in order to use them. Notice I said in order to use them in order to complete his work. As Satan as an assassin and as a hitman has his versatilities too. Uh, He is... very versatile in everything he does, and especially in using people, using them as tools and vessels to complete and accomplish his satanic and demonic purposes to steal, kill, and destroy people and humanity as a whole. Satan, as an assassin, works also quickly to adapt to our surroundings, and he surrounds us as an angel of light to deceive and to steal, kill, and destroy. And so the only way that we can deal with the surroundings of his attacks is to have on the full armor of God daily. You can't leave home without it, or you'll become a doomed casualty in this world. Now let me say this, number five, and lastly, that I want to talk about tonight. We'll pick up with six next time. Number five, a hitman is very charming and smooth operator, and he's charming and smooth and knows how to get over on you like even better than a used car salesman at a car lot. 
because an assassin often needs to infiltrate their prey surrounding in order to get the job done. The assassin must have extra special charming powers of persuasion. The hitman, in knowing how to manipulate other people, will go a long way towards compelling this malicious and wicked goals. And Satan is also charming and smooth. He's a smooth operator, and he'll move through men, women. He'll even move through children and animals. Satan is very charming, and he used extra special charming powers to manipulate people towards compelling his malicious and wicked goals. Satan knows how to do this with great precision. He did it with Eve, and he's still doing it today. And he tried to do it with Jesus, saying in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, All the kingdoms of the world I will give you if you fall down and worship me. See, he's very charming. And he'll get you to sell your soul to him for the world. That's what Judas did. Judas sold his soul to the devil. And there's a lot of people today doing the same thing today with this hitman who is Satan, an assassin. The only way that we can deal with this enemy is to do what God has commanded us to do in obedience and if you haven't been doing that and Satan has been a hitman in your life, hitting you day and night, you need to repent and get on your knees and cry out to God and cry out to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he will save you from the hitman and the assassin who is Satan. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. All right, it's time for us to take a commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. So don't be shy. Don't hesitate. You know, prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. And uh, speaking of prayer, we want to begin by thanking everyone who's been praying for Contending for the Faith. Without your diligent prayers, we would have never been on the air or stayed on the air for so long. You know, Dr. Buckner, my wife was trying to calculate how many years we were on the air today. <laughs> I said, I can't really remember. I know it was like 95 or 94 when we started. Yeah, about 94. Yeah. 94, 95. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, she said, that's a lot of Saturday nights, Doc. <laughs> hint, hint, hint. <laughs> I said, oh, here we go. Anyway, <laughs> but tru- truly and, and seriously, we know that those prayers have kept us on the air that long. It's, an, a remarkable, it's a remarkable thing, and we just thank God for your prayers. And we also want to thank the one person who gave this week, Sandra. And I understand she received her tax return, and she generously gave out of that. And so we just want to let you know that we can't stay on the air with just one person giving. This is a, a critical time, and we need everyone to, who's been blessed by the broadcast, who have been long-term listeners, and maybe you've never given. You thought everybody else would take up the need and take up the slack and do the job. Well, we need everybody to participate. doesn't matter how much. or doesn't matter how, how big or how small. As God leads you, just give. And... Uh, you know, he'll take what you give and he'll multiply it. We want to encourage you that this is a, 
prayer-driven ministry, but it's also a listener-supported ministry. So we don't want you to come on and, and tune in on a Saturday night and find out we're no longer here, that we're off the air due to lack of support. So again, if you've been blessed by Dr. Buckner's teaching and this program, won't you partner with us financially to keep this vital ministry on the air? There's two ways to donate. Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. And the second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the Donate button. It's that simple. And you'll be a blessing for time and eternity you know, Dr. Buckner and I receive no salaries from this ministry. We receive nothing. We give of our time, talent, and treasure. And both of us come from long ways off. He's in Tiburon. I'm in Sacramento. We make that trip every Saturday. And uh, we just trust in God that he's going to move upon people's hearts to give. And so listen to the call of the Holy Spirit tonight. If he's speaking to you about partnering with us, then You know, Dr. Buckner, I say God has got something better than eBay. It's called Obey. (laughs) (laughs) So obey the voice of the Lord and and give. And always, always pray for us, Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those encouraging words, because we don't like to uh, really talk a whole lot about the, uh, the support of this ministry. We just like to tap into it lightly. But when it gets to the point where uh, only one person is – uh, giving a week, uh, it uh, we have to put that challenge out there so people uh, step up and just uh, be uh, more uh, consistent. So we want to just remind many of you out there who are listening tonight and you've been blessed by this program uh, to, um, you know, do something tonight. You have to wait for another month. Do something right tonight, and Gary will tell you how to do that. So we appreciate your prayers and uh, those who have stepped up when it comes to saying, you know what, I've been blessed around my taxes. I want to be a blessing to the ministry. And so we really appreciate that. Well, let's get to some of our callers, uh, Brother Gary. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to go to Brother CC on line one. Brother CC, how mm-hmm. you doing? All right. How you guys doing? Uh, we're truly blessed. Truly blessed. Yeah. And uh, how are you doing? Um, hang- I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's good. Uh, well, we we're glad to hear that. And um, how did you get ministered to tonight? How does it speak to you tonight? The word. Honestly, I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate it because um, I've been getting really depressed. I take it really hard when I hear like these mall shootings, and I heard of it. It's just of just a, I think it was just late recently. It was just two more a mall shooting, and then. Um, I don't think it was. I don't know if it was some kind of eating restaurant where people was killed. And so, when I see those things, I, I get really depressed, and I really, I really take it hard. You know, when I hear people, you know, sometimes people talk over, so like, oh yeah, so this person got killed and all that, and they was gone. But I really take things like that hard. And so, by you explaining that, you know, um, about the statements of, 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 of an assassin and how you how you parallel the two was amazing because you know. Um, I understand, and I understand more now. You know, I mean, I, I, I knew I knew he was behind it, but the way you broke it down, I never looked at it. I never took it from that perspective. Um, you know, because it's really is a lot of stuff. Because you know, a lot of people always ask why why is all these things happening, and and 
you gave a you gave a you, know, you gave a, a, a biblical answer, you know, to to what's taking place, and you also gave the solution, the, the deliverance. What the, you you led people to Christ by you know saying you, you you exalted Christ in that by saying that people need to need to repent and and and, and bow the knee to Jesus, and I just really appreciate the message, and um, I know you. Spend a lot of time in, in the Word and prayer, and God is working through you. And I, I give Him the glory as using you as a vessel to, to actually speak the truth. And I just never, never heard a concept used like that. So I know that was strictly a, a message from heaven for how you paralleled that to. Amen. Well, thank you so much for the the way the Lord always ministers to your heart and sharing that. And what's on your heart tonight in terms of your question? I want to ask you this passage because this this has just been jumping out at me. I've been I, I read it in in, in the book of Romans, and I know you're an expert at these things. And I was wondering if you can give me some help with it. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the uh, the uh, in the chapter in the verse? It's Romans chapter eight is verse nineteen and twenty. Okay, would you like to read that? Yes, I would. Uh, thank you. It says for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God, for the creature was made subject not to vanity, not willingly, by reason of him who has subject the same in hope. Mm-hmm. The reading the Amen. Well, this is a very good scripture, and uh, the um, this chapter uh, is a powerful chapter, and a lot of times what you have to do is um, kind of like read the uh, verses before to get a better picture of what's going on here in verses uh, 19 and 20. But what the Apostle Paul basically is saying in, in a nutshell is that uh, when he says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations of the sons of uh, God, and what he's talking about here, when he uses the word creature, uh, another word that would be a better translation would be the creation, because it's the creation that's waiting for the manifestations of the sons of uh, God. What it's saying here is that the uh, earth is uh, waiting for redemption, too, just like we are waiting for the redemption of our uh, physical bodies and uh we await that, and we are looking forward to that uh, transformation there. And the earth is also waiting uh, because uh, it's it's uh, been cursed by God. And the book of Revelation talks about there will, in the new creation, there will no longer be any other curse. So the what God is going to do is that um, uh, the Garden of Eden that was originally designed to be here on earth forever uh, will be restored and there will be a new garden of eden by which we will that we will have a new heaven and earth and we will be able to uh as the sons of god to uh be able to enjoy the original plan of god in that creation and we'll be able to um uh share uh, with God in his glory around it, because God gave man dominion over the earth and to uh, share in some of that glory and in, in that creation. But man uh, failed 
uh, and uh, the curse came upon the creation. Uh, and then the, <clears throat> when it talks about for the creature was made subject to vanity <clears throat> as a result of all of this, <clears throat> everything became vain and uh, and the willingness by the reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. So <clears throat> God is going to bring about a new hope, and that which was uh, uh, sown in vanity, God is going to recreate this uh, creation, and um, man was uh, subject to God in it, uh, and the earth was subject to him. So everything is going to come under a new subjection, not to vanity anymore, and we will be willing to be uh, by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. So everything that was originally subjected for the plan of God, uh, Satan got in there and messed it up, that uh, subjection. Uh, and so man today is still not subjected to God. And he's not subjected, when he's not subjected to God, he's not also subjected to the creation. Because the only way that you're going to enjoy the creation right is to know that there is a creator. And that's why Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1 that they worship and serve the creature more than the creator. So we can get things backed up, reversed, where we are more into the creation than the creator. So God will make everything new, uh, everything right, and because the earth is crying out and re- for its redemption as well. So that's kind of like it in a nutshell. And, and what I would encourage you to do is to look at the whole chapter, and you'll get a better picture of that. So hopefully that's kind of giving you a little more insight. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks a lot. It makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yeah, and by the way, Kevin Hart, did you hear about the latest on Kevin Hart? That's, uh, um, no, I, I actually was going to bring him up tonight. Yeah, what's, what's going yeah well, if you Google his name, and uh, and uh, just recently, the other day, uh, they had to, uh, you know, land a plane uh, because he was on the plane with some of his uh, workers, and the uh, the tire just blew uh, a flat. And then by the time when they landed it, it was really ruined, uh, the tire on the plane. And so... Uh, you know, God used this to uh, convict that man, and he and all of the co-workers with him, they got under the plane, and they were on their knees praying with their hands up together, with their hands locked together in prayer. And I said to myself, God has many ways to get our attention. Uh, you better believe that. And the big question is, will he continue? Will we allow him to continue to have our attention because a lot of times people call on God when they're in trouble, but when they get out of it, they go back to their old ways. So let's pray for Kevin Hart that God will use this to, as well as his staff, to be a big wake-up call for him. So you may want to look up some information on that because it was quite an interesting thing. Okay, yeah, definitely. And uh, what's your request? Uh, we got a couple of other people lined up. Well, I want to pray for my family again and me, and then there's this pressure around my head. And it's very, very interesting that you mentioned that because Kevin Hart was, I was going to have you guys lift him up because um, he's been on my heart to pray for him. I didn't know about the story because I know his mother was a, she, she was a believer and she used to have him, she told him to read his Bible, you know. And um, um, I, I want to pray that God will turn his heart 
that he would start to read that Bible his mother gave him before she before she went on to be with the Lord. She was a believer, and so yeah, he was on my list. I want you to pray for him, and then you can lift up Tom Cruise again, and mm-hmm. my mother Rosalinda and the rest of the family. All righty, well, uh, let's do that. And uh, Gary, let's mm-hmm. go before the Lord in prayer on that. All right. <clears throat> so Lord, we just thank you for Brother CC. We pray, Lord God, that. You would continue to be with his family, his mother, Rosalinda, Lord God, his family. Uh, We also lift up this issue with this pressure that he has in his head, Lord God. We pray that you would bring healing and life, restoration and wholeness to his body, Lord God. We lift up Kevin Hart and Tom Cruise and and these celebrities, Lord God, that they need you just like we need you, Lord God. And we pray that you bring people into their paths, Lord God, that would continue to Remind them of who you are and and how amazing that you are and that we uh, are in desperate need of a Savior, Lord God. And help Kevin Hart and the rest of his crew that was on that plane, Lord, stay convicted, to stay, you know, focused on you, Lord God, not not waste this opportunity or this, this wake-up call. But, Lord, rather let it just continue that he would find a true relationship with you and, Lord God, that you would continue to move in his life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cece, for your uh, your call. And uh, God bless you. Hey, thank you, too. Before you guys get off, not right now, before the program closes, could you, could you guys pray for Brother Rick over the air? Because I wanted you guys to do that, too, another time right now. But, I mean, when you guys get a chance for a close to pray for him. For yeah, we sure will. We'll come back and do that. Uh, okay. All right. God bless. It's time for a commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. We just want to thank all of you who have been praying for this ministry. We thank you because your prayers have kept us on the air these more than 20 years, it seems like, Dr. Buckner. Mm -hmm. And it's been a while. I remember... We both uh, looked a little younger. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit younger. A little bit younger. Yes, because yeah. uh, both of us, we have what we call low mileage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want low miles on your car. It can be an old car, but you got to be low miles. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Back and forth to Sacramento has put a few miles on me, though, I have to tell you. But anyway, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for this ministry, and it's so important that you continue to pray. It's it's those prayers that keep us going. But we also need your financial support as well. This is a listener-supported ministry, and without that support, we're not going to be able to stay on the air. And, and last week, we just had one person step up to the plate, and we're so thankful for the one. But we need more than the one. We need everybody who has been blessed by this ministry. It's time to step up. It's time to get in the game. It's time to hit a home run for contending for the faith. You know, as God has blessed you and you're able to give above your tithes and offerings, you know, consider partnering with us here at Contending for the Faith. It's so vital. There's two ways that you can donate. Send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much simpler Get on your tablet, your laptop, your smartphone, and simply go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button. It's that simple. We just want to encourage you, especially as the summer months begin to kick in, people go on vacation. It's no time to go on vacation from your giving. 
because when you get back from vacation, you may find your favorite program is no longer on the air because there was no listener support. And we don't want that to happen here at Contending for the Faith. We we know that uh, God has a mission for us, and to continue that mission, we need your help. So please be faithful in your prayers and faithful in your giving, Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. Appreciate those uh, encouraging words and challenges as well. And Let's get to our next caller. Uh, I think it's Jermaine. Yep, Jermaine. How are you doing this evening, Jermaine? I'm uh, doing very well. Well, good to hear your voice, and uh, we trust that you got blessed by the Word tonight. I always do. Oh, very good, very good. Well, keep sharing it with others and get as many people to uh, tune in and call in as well. We appreciate that. Yes, and what's on your heart tonight? I just want to hear your... your uh breakdown of the biblical the biblical definition of forgiveness because it seems like a lot of people um throw cliches around like what would jesus do and you know uh you know god forgives or you don't judge but they never really set a context from a biblical point of view and you know i've been forgiven i forgive people but i've like anybody i've had people in my life where they habitually repeatedly do things and just so when I tell him I forgive him, I don't hate him and I wish him the best, but that doesn't mean, you know, like, say, if you, you know, you, you borrowed my credit card and you ran up some charges, that doesn't mean I'm going to give you my card again. That's not a lack of forgiveness to me. That's just being smart, but I just wanted to hear your opinion on that. Uh-huh. And and what what uh, uh, raises the question for you, uh, what you just said, and was there something uh, that you were experiencing in your personal uh, life with this? Uh, just, you know, it, it, there's not really anything, any one thing specific. I mean, things have happened over the years, but I always hear people say, oh, well, you have to forgive. And I can see their version of forgiveness usually is, is uh, dependent on on them being able to continue to do whatever wrong they've been doing. So, and I asked where, I was like, well, can you show me that in the Bible or can you, you know, give me more of a context? And they never have one. And it just seems like I get most of that from my my. I guess you would say like like non-believing friends or weaker believing friends. I don't know how to appropriately put it, but you know, I just wanted to hear hear some better context. Yeah, well, you know, that's a good question. Um, I think that uh, we are, uh, matter of fact, I know that uh, God has called upon us to forgive uh, people. You know, Jesus said, "Forgive uh, your enemies and do good to them that spitefully use you." So. Our our uh, duties as Christians is to forgive. Now that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that uh, you know we have to be in association with people, uh, because I think Jesus really lays this thing out when he talks about you know the area of the discipline of the uh, you know the Christian's life, you know. Uh, that's one of the reasons why if somebody's doing wrong, he talked about in Matthew uh, 16 through 18. <clears throat> I think it, you may want to look at that uh, because that really kind of lays out uh, the offenses of brothers and and against one another. And, uh, and, and so when you have those things going on uh, between brothers and, uh, faults and issues and somebody doing somebody wrong, uh, Jesus uh, says, you know, that people have to go to that altar and make things right uh, in order to bring complete reconciliation. So 
forgiveness is there because we have to be forgiving uh, because God calls upon us to do that. Um, but the principle of reconciliation uh, cannot come unless there is uh, the two W's. You got to have somebody wanting and somebody willing. You know, so that's that's the key point. You got to have somebody that's wanting and willing. Somebody's wanting to do right for the wrong that they did, and then then somebody willing to uh, bring forth a reconciliation in their relationship. So, um, you know, so the issue is that uh, if somebody is constantly doing wrong and doing somebody wrong, that Jesus literally says, dust the dirt off your feet as a testimony and, uh, you know, back up because that doesn't mean that you have to associate with them because you're going to continue to get hurt and hurt. And so they got to be um, wanting to repent of that lifestyle that they're doing. And when they have done that, you're able to see some fruit in their life. And when you see the fruit in their life, then you're able to be willing to bring forth the reconciliation because the issue is forgiveness is one thing because that's what God calls us to do, you know. But reconciliation is another thing because reconciliation cannot happen unless the person is repentant of their behavior and their actions. And then they have gone to the altar to make it right because Jesus made it very clear. You remember in Matthew chapter uh, chapters 16 through 18 that you can't even have things right with your brother unless you go to the altar and make that right. You got to really, you got a person got to repent of that sinful behavior. There's some of the things you mentioned. If they, if somebody's doing something wrong to someone else, they have to go to the altar and make that right because. Jesus made it clear you cannot even have uh, be right with God unless you're right with your fellow man. So you probably want to look at Matthew chapters uh, 16 through 18, uh, do a deep study of that, and look at the principle of forgiveness, which we, we're all supposed to do, but also look at the issue of reconciliation. Reconciliation can only happen when someone is gone to the altar and they have made it right, the wrong that they've done, and then when they come to, they have to come to the individual because Jesus says, our prayers will be hindered, our life with God will be hindered until we make that right. You know, we can't even bring a gift before the altar until we make it right with our brother. And so this is a very heavy issue uh, in dealing with the balance between reconciliation, uh, forgiveness, and reconciliation. You know, so we want the two to come together, but the forgiveness is going to come because God commands us to do that. But reconciliation is not going to come until the person that has done something wrong go before the altar of God and repent of that sin and come before God and simply say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I, I repent of what I've done to so, such and so. And then you go to the individual and they have to make it right with that individual. Otherwise, their prayers will be hindered and their walk with God will be hindered and their fellowship will be hindered as well. So I think I would bring out those points uh, with uh, whoever you're discussing this with 
because uh, people think that, oh, because uh, you are supposed to forgive, you have to be around the individual. No, sir. I mean, if somebody is doing wrong and stuff like that and evil, uh, God expects for us to back up until they make that thing right before the altar of God. And once they do that, you'll know it. And they don't know it, too, because there got to be a wantingness and a willingness. And then then reconciliation can give birth. So somehow I think we lost Jermaine. Well, hopefully yes. he heard it. Yeah, we can go to uh, Ben. Hopefully Jermaine will come back. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he heard what you had to say. Yes. Hey. Hey. Uh, Hello. Brother Ben, how are you doing? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm blessed. I like that name. My son's name is Ben. All right, so I got good taste in naming it. <laughs> yes, sir. I love that. And my my um, uncle's name was Ben, and my great great grandfather's name was Ben. So it's a lot of Bens in my family. All right, on. Yes, right on. sir. So what's on your heart tonight? Is this your first time calling? Uh, no, I've called uh, one time a long time ago. Uh, but I just had like a question of in Kings. Uh, I know you probably don't have that much time. So I'm, what I wanted to ask about, like in. Uh, First Kings chapter two, uh, verse five, when David was telling Solomon, and it's about hitmen too. You know what I mean? Kind of like what, what you're talking about, how the devil. David wanted Joab killed when he died, and as I read through this, you know, Joab was like one of his right hand men. You know, I know he killed. Uh, uh, I know Joab killed. I think it's Absalom, Absol- Absalom. from the tree. Right, yeah, Absalom. Uh-huh. But he never found out about that because. It said that he sent the two messengers, you know, and Joab's messenger got to David before, so he never found out about it. But why did um, why did David why did David want Joab killed? You know what I mean? Well, well, I mean seeing that Joab was there the whole time with him, I, it shocked me, you know. And so, well, the the reason why the reason why he he wanted him he wanted him killed is because uh, you could um, do a. Let me see here. Where is that at here? There is a uh, a scripture that is in Exodus 21 and verse 14, and uh, I will uh, read it uh, to you. It says, if a man acts with a premeditated premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar, and he may die. So this particular scripture fits into why Joab was uh, uh, to die, because uh, with the law, it was the protection of the Lord at the altar uh, applied only to accidental crimes, uh, not premeditated murder. And this is what is found in Exodus 21 and verse 14. Uh, So uh, this was not an accidental uh, crime. It was premeditated murder. And the law taught and, and, and taught and said that when there was a premeditated murder, uh, and, you know, it, you go back to uh, even Genesis 9 and 6, whosoever shed man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And that's why Joab ended up dying, because he uh, committed a premeditated murder. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just couldn't understand because they were like so close and he was, you know, with them you know, through all the uh, yeah. troubles and tribulations. And then when he died, he wanted him, you know, knocked off. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to read Scripture. I didn't know if it was something that I missed. Uh, 
but yeah, you know, well, I guess you, that makes sense. Yeah, what you what you missed was that the pre you got to look at the premeditated verse versus uh, accidental crime, and it and in, in, in that day it really didn't matter how close you were to somebody uh, if you committed the crime. Uh, you not only did the time, but you died the death, and that was just a a, a thing that was part of the law. So uh, it's uh, he was very close and his right hand man, but uh, they didn't play around back in that day. I think if we had more laws like that today, uh, a lot of the crimes would be deterred today. So yeah, a good so question, true. good question. Hopefully that helped you out. Right on. Thank you. Could I make a prayer request, please? Yes, sir. You sure can. What's on your heart? Okay. I'd like you to uh, pray for uh, Andrew Brunson out of uh, Turkey. He's a pastor, and yes. uh, he got put in jail. And, you know, they're, they're praying for him. He's going to his court, and, he, um, you know, it's looking real bad, almost like the Pastor Saeed thing, if you have kept up with that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keep him in prayer. And then keep uh, Asiya Bibi. She's in Pakistan. And uh, all she said, she was a waitress, and all she said was, uh, uh, you know, I think Jesus is the true prophet. And for that right there, she's been in jail and stuff, and she's in Pakistan. So, you know, I pray for those two and all the persecuted saints around the world, because, you know, Revelations is, like, really right now. And, you know, back in the days, you would never think you would hear about people getting persecuted like that, but it's getting more and more, and, you know... um, Pray for those two and all the persecuted saints uh, around the world. We got to keep them in prayer, keep Jerusalem in prayer, and uh, you know us as a whole. That you know we always be found uh, doing the will of the Lord. Well, that's a good that's uh, prayer request, uh, Ben. And we know that um, you know that the, Jesus said at the end of time, the love of many will wax cold. This is happening all the way around the world today, and we're going to lift them up in prayer. And our hearts will always go out to them and. You have a tremendous prayer request, and we join in prayer, and we ask everybody out there to join in with us on that. Brother Gary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, Lord, we just lift up this this special prayer request tonight, Lord God. We pray for those around the world who are even now being persecuted for their faith, Lord God. We think oftentimes we suffer, but we don't know the extent of suffering, and, and we are still blessed in a country where we can practice our faith without persecution, but one day it may change as well. So we lift up Pastor Andrew. We lift up Asiya, Bibi. We pray, Lord God, that you would deliver them, that you would protect them, that you would keep them. And Lord God, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit as well, Lord God, that they would speak your word in power. Even when they're brought before the courts, Lord God, that they would bear witness to the power and the, and the majesty of the living and true God. Strengthen them, protect them, and keep them. We also lift up Brother Rick Weinstein, that you would heal his body. In Jesus' name, amen. And just remember this, Ben, what the enemy intends for evil, God will bring about good. Amen. Thank you for your call. All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.